There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This week on the Chicago Bears Review. The NFL held its annual draft this past weekend as all 32 teams gathered in Philadelphia and made the selections that they thought would give themselves the brightest future for 2017. What moves did the Bears make, and were they the right ones? Scott Wright from DraftCountdown.com joins us on the 2017 Draft Review episode of the Chicago Bears Review. You know, I read a quote in the comments on Facebook uh, this past weekend while watching the draft, and and they said, and I and I don't remember who it was, so I can't unfortunately give you credit. Maybe you're a fan of the show, uh, or maybe I just read it someplace else. But the the quote was, "The draft is like Christmas, and sometimes you get socks." And the Bears, they gave us socks. I don't want socks. You know, I want a new bike. I want, uh, you know, I want Grand Theft Auto 5. I don't, I want Madden 2017. I don't want socks. We got socks. What's going on, everybody? (laughs) Larry D. back. The 2017 draft review episode of the Chicago Bears Review. Scott Wright will be joining us uh, in a few minutes to to break down uh, a little bit of uh, general draft talk and then to to go all the way in and talk about what the hell happened this past weekend in Philadelphia with our beloved Chicago Bears. And um, sorry about that. Um, got a new mic, and it's very sensitive, as I'm sure you can all tell, um, huffing and puffing into the damn thing. But, um, you know, it, it's it's a it, – there are knee-jerk reactions. Uh, I remember Barry Hodgson uh, on Facebook uh, asking, uh, if you know, begging, in fact, that there would be uh, a knee-jerk reaction at the very least to the Trubisky pick, um, and um, I, I think that I think that I will go ahead and play all of them for you because um, I had thoughts about everybody, but uh, Trubisky especially, uh, I definitely want to play that one. I just wanted to give you guys a little bit of a heads up. Um, it's not going to be the hellfire and brimstone that I think you guys would expect from me being the emotional individual uh, that I am because uh, as soon as the Trubisky pick happened, I became the most famous man on the planet. Uh, Like three phone calls, like 30 texts. I mean, my phone absolutely blew up. I mean, it it was close to being a Galaxy Note 7 and just exploding uh, in my hands from all the activity there. So when I finally got myself free of all that, and was able to record the knee-jerk reaction, I was a good 20, 25 minutes removed from my initial feelings on the pick and actually had just gotten done venting to a friend of mine uh, about what a what a balls-up, you know, just a tits-up move this, this, this thing was. I'd, 
Um, you know, and I'll share my feelings on that uh, after I play this for you. But, um, you know, without further ado, like I said, 20 minutes or so removed from the actual pick being made. I think that I was actually doing the knee jerk reaction while I was watching Jamal Adams, the guy that I actually wanted, walk the stage for the Jets four picks later. But uh, nonetheless, the knee jerk reaction to Larry D watching Mitchell Trubisky become the newest Chicago Bear. <laughs> Knee-jerk reaction to the Bears and the NFL draft. And <laughs> remember when we talked to Scott Wright and he asked him which team he thought would be the one to make the first head-scratching move, and he said it may be the Titans taking John Ross, the wide receiver, at number five. Well, it was the Bears who moved up one spot from three to two, gave up four draft picks to do so, and then took the quarterback we don't need Mitchell Trubisky the brand new Chicago Bears taking second overall in the draft and I could not be more disappointed I, I mean I I hope that he's worth everything that we gave up to get him because we don't have a third rounder this year a fourth rounder or a third rounder in next year's draft and taking him so yeah I hope I hope Mike Glennon wherever he's living in the Chicagoland area I hope he's renting because uh He's not going to be around in 2018. That, that, this pick guarantees that. So instead of taking the impact defensive player that we needed, we went and dra traded up one spot, got a quarterback that we don't need and we're not ready for, and gave up a boatload of picks in order to do it. So the only thing that makes sense as far as why we did it is to beat somebody else to the spot. Because San Francisco wasn't going to take Trubisky. Because if they were, they wouldn't have made the trade, period. So we did it to beat somebody else from doing it. So that, you know, basically the Bears did it because they didn't think Trubisky would be there at three. And, yeah, so there's that. We have the quarterback that I didn't want and I don't feel that we need. And, um, you know, the 49ers got four picks and drafted Solomon Thomas, who they're probably going to draft at number two. Anyway, so Jamal Adams, Jonathan Allen, Malik Hooker, Marshawn Lattimore, all those guys that we've been mocked to get, um, you know, for our pick at number three, they're all going to go somewhere else, and, you know, and we're going to have to deal with this quarterback. I hope, I hope he is amazing. I'm pulling for the kid because he's ours now, but I didn't want him, and I didn't want him, and that's going to be my I told you so if and when this doesn't work out. A <laughs> couple of things I want to explain. Number one, you probably guys, you know, you guys are probably all wondering what I meant by saying that we aren't ready for him. Uh, what I, what I meant was that historically, in the the years of Bears of the Bears putting their teams together, you know, for success or lack thereof, the Bears strike me as the kind of team that needs to build the team first and then plug their quarterback in. And the Bears are not done putting their team together. That's what this draft was supposed to do. That's what we were supposed to do. We we're supposed to go out and get our free safety or our strong safety, whichever one Jamal, Matt, Jamal Adams would have been. Cause quite frankly, I don't know which, which safety position Quentin Demps plays to be honest with you. Uh, we were supposed to, uh, you know, actually we we're supposed to make some big moves in free agency. First of all, Okay, and we, we didn't. Mike Glennon was the crown jewel of our free agent hall, which does not say much for what we did. Uh, second of all, uh, you know, all that um, that Pace talked about in the end of the year press conference was getting impact players for the defensive side of the ball. 
we didn't do that in the free agency and we sure as hell didn't do it in the draft. So where are these impact players supposed to come from? This was supposed to be the draft that we did that in. You know, 2017, we go out and we get those final pieces. We get ourselves a tight end, which we actually did. We get some depth at offensive tackle, if not finding the replacement for Charles Leno, who was extremely underwhelming at the left tackle uh, position. We go out and get a receiver or two to replace Alshon Jeffrey and help out Marcus Wheaton and Kendall Wright, who just for the sake of elimination are going to be our starting wide receivers this year, along with Cameron uh, Meredith, you know, and just this was supposed to be the draft that we did that. And then maybe in 2018, which is supposed to be like the year of the freaking quarterback, then maybe we go out and we make some moves in the draft to get the quarterback to complete the team that we've put together. You know who did that? Houston. The Texans have done that. The number one defense in the NFL. Got a weapons galore surrounding the kid. A good offensive line. They were literally a quarterback away from being a serious contender in the AFC. And now they went out and they traded traded up to get Watson. The guy that every Bear fan who wanted a quarterback absolutely felt we needed to get. So, I mean, there's a couple of problems with the Mitch Trubisky pick, first of all. For me, personally... I have no issue with Trubisky. For me, he was number, he was one or two. Is he like one or, you know, like tied for who I thought was uh, the better uh, quarterback. It was him and, and, uh, you know, I did like Watson. I just, I think Watson has Vince Young written all over him. It's just something about the guy, uh, you know, coming to Chicago anyway, I thought he would have failed in Chicago. That's why I didn't want him. Not because he's not a good quarterback or not a good player, doesn't have a good resume. I thought he would fail in Chicago because we are not ready for him. Okay, we do not have the 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 players surrounding him. Uh, you know, some franchises can get the quarterback and then build the team around him. The Bears, I feel like are a franchise that has to do the opposite. We go ahead and we put the team together, then we get the quarterback to complete the ensemble. Okay, the Bears, I don't know what the hell we're doing because we're not done building the team and now we've got a quarterback that now we, we've got to go out and get people to, to surround this kid with. And, uh, oh yeah, by the way, you know, it was only three picks because I was, I was including the one that we swapped with, with San Francisco. But, um, so that was the first thing. That's how I feel like, you know, that's what I meant when we said we're not ready. And the second thing is my beef isn't with Mitch Trubisky. It's with the position that he plays. Because like I said, we didn't need a quarterback. That's what we signed Mike Glennon for. Okay. And <laughs> the draft capital that we gave up in order to get him. Now, in the in the scheme of things, if this thing works out, just like everybody else has been saying, I will agree with this. Scott Wright will probably say the same thing as well. If this works out, two third rounders and a fourth round is going to be a drop in the bucket compared to the return on the investment that we get. If, if this works out. Okay, but in this draft, this wasn't the this wasn't the draft to do this in. It it just wasn't. You know, you don't do this in a draft where no one can agree who the number one quarterback is. And when I say no one, I mean no one could agree on who the best quarterback was, what team they should go to, where they would be the best fit, so on and so forth. I mean, no one could agree. Uh, on that and this is the year you make that move you don't make it last year with Carson Wentz you don't make it the year before with Mariota where you with, with especially with Mariota in 2015 I didn't want the Bears to do it but I could have understood the move 
Ryan Pace's first season, he wants to go out and get his quarterback, set himself apart from Jay Cutler, and start a new era there. It would have been understandable then. Okay, last year, eh, maybe, maybe not. But we, you know, if it, Wentz was the guy that that Pace loved last year, we go out and get him. You know, Jay Cutler's on his way out. Nobody thought Jay was going to be around in 2017, no matter how well he played uh, in 2016. Everyone thought he was out the door once the guaranteed money was done. It just wasn't working out. So we go out and get Carson Wentz. Hey, that makes sense. He plays a year behind Jay. Not happy about the draft capital. We probably would have had to give up to get him. But hey, it makes sense. You know, Carson Wentz consensus number one, number two pick in the draft. This year, <laughs> we made Mitch Trubisky the number two pick in the draft. He wasn't the number two overall prospect in the draft. He just wasn't. So, I, I you know, I don't. Anyway, that is how I feel about the Mitch Trubisky trade. Um, you know, he got booed at the Bulls game. On Friday night, which is probably more about the front office and fans discontent with what they gave up in order to get this kid because they booed at a picture of him on the, the Jumbotron or whatever. And when they actually flipped it to show a live picture of Trubisky, who was actually there in the stadium, it turned more to cheers than it like, oh, he's actually here. That's awesome. Hey, Mitch. Nice. Welcome to Chicago. But uh, boo, Ryan Pace and John Fox and so on and so forth. So, um Anyway, that was Thursday night. The Bears ending their evening early by, uh, you know, making that, making the, the, nobody saw this thing coming, man. Nobody. I mean, I read an article, uh, Peter King was uh, in all, in, in all the places in the world for him to be. He was basically a fly on the wall in San Francisco's war room. And even San Francisco didn't know who the Bears were trading up for. They assumed that it was Solomon Thomas. That's who they thought the Bears were trading up for. And, um, you know, turns out it's Mitch Trubisky. So they go ahead and they get to pick Solomon Thomas, which is probably the guy they wanted all along anyway. So uh, just like you heard me saying in the knee jerk reaction, I just even the 49ers didn't know who the Bears wanted to get because <laughs> Ryan Pace wouldn't tell him who he was trading up for. Just that he was offering two threes. And then they, they you know, they they were in competition. Peter King says that there were other teams calling about the pick. Uh, Lynch told him to go back to the Bears, see if he could get a sweetener, and that was the fourth rounder that the Bears threw in uh, there at the end to move up the one spot to to secure the guy that they wanted. So, you know, in the end, I give credit where credit's due as far as making the statement and going after the guy. But I fear, I fear, and I'll probably say this a few times, I fear that if we have another 2016, Ryan Pace won't be around to see whether or not this works out. Now, at least not as GM of the Chicago Bears anyway. If we suffer through another 3-13 and 13 season, um, you know, well, definitely Ron, Fo Ron, John Fox will be gone. But will, I mean, what are the odds that Ryan Pace comes back if the Bears, you know, go 3-13 and 13 again? You know, with, with the talent that we have on the team, the schedule that we've been given, it's entirely possible. It, it just is, you know, I hate to, I hate to admit it, you know, I hope, you know, I was like, I know we went three and 13 because we were injuries galore and so on and so forth, but I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know, especially after the trap that we put together, this was supposed to fill up those holes. You know, he stuck to his guns a little too much on the best player available thing. And it, it started in the second round and went all the way through uh, to the fifth round. So, I mean, we'll, we'll play the, 
play the uh, the, uh, the the reaction for our other uh, draft choices. And, uh, you know, starting with the second round, uh, this would have been a good spot to go out and get one of those uh, safeties or add some corner depth uh, back there for the worst one of the worst secondaries in football. But instead, the uh, the Bears went, uh, according to Ryan Pace, with the best player available at, at 45. After we're trading down from 36 down to 45, um, this is who we got. Knee-jerk reaction to the Bears in their second-round pick. It's uh, They're at the podium now. We were picking at 36, and we traded back. We got an extra fourth-rounder and a sixth-rounder this year and a fourth-rounder next year to trade with the Cardinals to drop from 36 to 45. Right now, Jay Hilgenberg and Sam Acho are about to announce the uh, selection. So we got some of the picks that we lost as far as the number uh, of picks. We even have an extra fourth-rounder to make up for the third-rounder that we're not going to have uh, in – in uh, in 2018 so um adam shaheen tight end from ashland it's a smaller school but i'm hearing that he is uh 6'6 278 pounds this kid is a beast and it's uh it addresses a need it's not a safety uh or a corner or a uh defensive lineman that we were all talking about we wanted in the first round but uh Tight end is is a need position. It's uh, he's a Division two tight end, and um, I don't hate the pick. It's just you know you would think we didn't have problems in the secondary by the moves that the Bears are making. So um, I, I like the choice. Uh, the, you know, a lot of scouts think very highly of this kid, even coming from a Division two school. He's a Chicago Bear now. He's bigger than some of our offensive linemen. I mean, 266 and a half, 278. And uh, hopefully he'll be the heir apparent to uh, to Zach Miller. So there we go. We got a tight end. We're not picking for 72 more picks unless the Bears pull something off with another trade or, or something like that. So uh, it'll be a while till we hear from each other again. <laughs> Boy, that was sure fun to say out loud. We're not going to be picking again for 72 picks. Uh, and and that was true. We didn't we didn't come back to like pick one fourteen or one one fifty something like that. But anyway, um, you know, initially not hating the pick, uh, and I still don't. I mean, I've seen a lot of great film uh, on, on the kid, and uh, you know, six six, two hundred seventy eight pounds. Um, you know, being referred to as kind of like a a baby Gronk, uh, if you will. I mean, gives us a good red zone target if he can find him find his way onto the field. Uh, in 2017, you have to think a Division II prospect is probably going to have a little bit of uh, adjusting to do before he can make it onto the uh, to the field. I'll tell you one thing: after the draft that we've had, I can't wait for the preseason because, um, from the looks of things, that's the most that we're going to get to see most of these kids. Uh, the 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 five man draft class that we ended up with uh, this season, we're probably not going to see much of them. Uh, you know, come September when we kick off with the Falcons week one, uh, unless something goes very, very wrong like it did last year. So, um, uh, you know, Shaheen, like I said, has the size that you want uh, in the highlights that you see the guy running away from smaller defensive uh, backs. So his his highlight reel was impressive. Uh, but again, like I said, you wouldn't think that we had problems with the secondary with the way the Bears were playing or the ways that they were playing the draft, I should say. 
uh, pace adamant that we were taking the best player available when it came time to pick at 45 Shaheen was rated so much higher than every other person that was on the board they had no choice uh, but to take him so they went ahead and did it and then 72 picks later we finally made the move that I wanted us to make at number three but instead we made it at uh, 112 so uh or something like that. So, but yeah, we we actually traded up again, gave up that sixth rounder that we got from Arizona uh, to move up in the fourth round to uh, finally address a need in this all important draft. <laughs> Knee jerk reaction to the Bears and their fourth round selection. Uh, we traded up from one seventeen to one twelve to take Eddie Jackson, a safety from Alabama, and. Um, we're just getting done listening to Mike Mayock give his assessment, um, you know, basically saying that he's more of a free safety. He's got good ball skills, always tends to be around the ball, and he's also a punt returner as well. So adding a little bit of a, a dimension uh, to it. But um, it's about 114 picks from where I would have wanted it to be. Uh, excuse me, about 109 where I, I would have wanted the Bears to stay at three and take Jamal Adams, uh, the safety, instead of, you know, 112 picks uh, in in the fourth round. So we finally got our safety. Uh, we did it in the fourth round instead of getting the special unanimous consensus number one safety at number three. Uh, we finally got it done. And we possibly have a uh, punt returner in the mix as well. The Bears pick again, however, in about 10 minutes or so at, at uh, 119. So uh, we'll see what else we can pick up there. Right. So we move from 117 uh, to 112 to make that pick. And then at 119, um, made another head-scratching uh, move. And, you know, some people wanted to, were, wanted to explain or, or – thought they could explain what it was that Ryan Pace was, uh, was doing. I'll get to that here uh, in just a second. But uh, here's the pick that we made at 119 um, where we could have probably picked up more defensive help or gotten that wide receiver uh, that could help us begin to replace Alshon Jeffrey or you know add depth to a wide receiving core that needs it. But instead, we stayed on the offensive side and uh, – but, you know, continue the tradition that the Bears have had running for about four or five years now. Knee-jerk reaction to the Bears' second pick in the fourth round at 119. Tariq Cohen from North Carolina A&T, a running back, because we needed another stinking running back. I I don't understand what the hell's going on. 5'6", 179 pounds, ran a 4'4", uh, in the 40. This kid's got special teams written all over him. I... I I don't see this being like a Jordan Howard pick uh, from last year uh, or even a, a Jeremy Langford pick from a couple years ago. I mean, I, I just I don't understand this pick at all. I, I, uh, somebody's I'm, you know, this is where I'm going to need Scott Wright and his expertise. If he can tell me anything uh, about this kid and, and why the Bears should be taking him here uh, at 119. So, uh, Scott, I'm going to need your help. And uh uh, yeah, help me out with this because, you know, in, in, a, in a deep defensive back corner draft, we did finally get our safety. We could probably use some help at the offensive line, some depth at tackle. Instead, we're taking a freaking running back. I, I, don't, I don't understand. With the tweets and everything coming out after the draft, um, one that I saw said that um, Trubisky is Ryan Pace's Drew Brees. 
Um, Jordan Howard is his um, Ingram, the running back. Uh, um, Tariq, um, I've already forgotten the kid's name. Uh, Tariq Cohen is his Darren Sproles. So that's that's why we got him. He's going to be Darren Sproles 2.0. That's that's what we got him for. That's what he's going to be uh, doing for us. And, you know, instead we drafted uh, another running back in an already crowded backfield. You know, Jordan Howard, obviously the clear and consensus starter. But we have Jeremy Langford, a fourth rounder from two years ago. Kadeem Carey, a fourth rounder from three years ago. And we signed Benny Cunningham away from the Rams uh, as well. So, I mean, that's what, five running backs that we have right now. And I know that not all of these guys are going to make the team, but why even add this kid to begin with? Like I said, depth at offensive tackle, uh, the wide receiver position could have used a boost. To, you know, it just watching the Bears just ignore needs for the quote unquote best player available. This what this kid was number one on the board with what was left at 119. I refuse to believe that. I really do. I, I don't understand what the hell the Bears were doing in that spot. And, you know, these are small school guys. And Pace talked about uh, Cohen and Shaheen um, about how they were, you know, when you're on those lower levels, they, you know, you want to see them be dominant on a consistent basis. And they were. To their credit, they were. You know, Cohen was extremely uh, valuable and and productive at the lower level. I think he had like 1,600 yards rushing last year. And his head coach, I, I've read some columns where they said that he would have been on special teams if he wasn't so important on the offensive side of the ball. So maybe he is going to be Darren Sproles. We'll have to wait and see uh, on that. But then, you know, the Bears go ahead, and for the fourth year in a row, we take a, a running back in the later rounds, and then we we wrap up our, our, our uh, draft for 2017 with another, well, I guess it wasn't as head-scratching more so than where we got the kid from. It's almost like we, we thought we weren't allowed to draft Division One prospects. <laughs> Knee-jerk reaction to the fifth round for the Chicago Bears at 147. Jordan Morgan, offensive tackle from Cutsdown University. Um Yes, that football powerhouse cuts down University. Uh, Division two, another Division two player to go along with our second round pick, Ashland tight end Adam Sheehan. Um, yeah, don't know any stats on the kid. All I know is that offensive tackle was something that I would have liked to see the Bears address in the fourth round instead of taking a one double A running back who. Um, you know, quite frankly, I took a dump bigger than that kid earlier today. So we'll uh, we'll have to see. And, uh, you know, I, I like I said, I know Ryan Pace is the best available guy. But, um, you know, I, I think he kind of took it to the extreme this year when we had glaring needs at certain positions that he ignored to take the best player. And, you know, this is a draft class that I'm coming away, th we, you know, with the thought I'm gonna have to wait and see on these guys. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, we, I, I, you know, I just don't understand. Last year and the year before, I came away thinking that we did well. I liked the picks that we made and so on and so forth. This year, I'm scratching my head at just about every single pick. The only one that I liked that made sense, that made, that filled a need that I thought was appropriate was Eddie Jackson in the fourth round because we needed a, we needed a safety help. You know, only 109 picks later than I would have wanted us to take a safety, as in at number three with Jamal uh, Adams. But, 
you know, we finally got our safety and we got some offensive tackle help. The last time we drafted a guy named Jordan in the fifth round, at least in his rookie year, it worked out okay. So we'll see how this one goes. And uh, we'll talk to Scott Reich to see how the uh, to see what he thinks the Bears did with this draft class. And we will be talking to Scott here in just a few minutes. Um, but before we we do that, I just <laughs> I I said. You know, I said it a million times already. I said it a thousand times during the during the knee jerk reactions. I don't understand what the Bears are doing. Um, you know, uh, Ryan Pace uh, has always said that free agency was a tool that you use in order to draft the best player uh, available. Well, unfortunately, we didn't use the free agency tool the way that we were supposed to. Uh, if we had gotten uh, Stefan Gilmore and Tony Jefferson and added them to the secondary, then knock yourself out with, you know, we filled those needs. We've got a solid safety in Tony Jefferson uh, to go back there with Adrian Amos or, you know, maybe Kyle Fuller will work out better as a safety or whoever the Bears are going to throw back there uh, with him. But instead, we we went lower with Quentin Demps. We signed Prince of Mukamura and um, Marcus Cooper. Uh, you know, mid-level guys to to fill up those spots. Now, granted, they're probably upgrades from what we had uh, last year, especially Quentin Demps in, in, in safety. But, you know, the, the impact still wasn't there. And we didn't find that impact in the draft. We, in fact, passed it over with every opportunity in this draft, aside from drafting Eddie Jackson. And, of course, the one guy that, that fills a need that needed filling He's got injury problems. He broke his leg in 2016, missed the last seven games of the year, had a torn ACL in 2015. So hip, hip, hooray for Eddie Jackson. So hopefully he can stay healthy so he can make an impact on this football team. But drafting, you know, cuts down. And he's going to be a guard at the NFL level, I I found out later. Um, So, you know, because we need help at guard with Kyle Long and Josh Sitton and Cody Whitehair and Hironis Grasso solidifying the middle of that, that. That's where we really needed that depth was that guard to, to add. It just anyway, um, it's just, I'm so pissed. I really am. Um, you know, like I said, I, I usually can walk away from a draft like last year, Cody Whitehair in the second round, Jonathan Bullard in the, in the, in the third. Uh, I heard great things about Jordan Howard coming out of the draft and, you know, it was really, and Kwiatkowski, people were saying good things about him, the linebacker we got in the fourth round, people like the Deion Bush uh, pick, uh, DeAndre Hall, you know, every, there were good things about all the guys that we picked. Instead, I'm sitting here watching the NFL Network with the draft and Mike Mayock, and, you know, he's giving his analysis, but he's, you know, I'm not hearing the things that he's saying about other teams' picks where, you know, the, somebody goes out and gets that receiver from North Carolina. I love this pick. Great value in the fourth round. Doesn't say anything like that about any of the picks that the Bears made uh, over the weekend. So he liked the Shaheen uh, uh, pick, and, and I'll probably screw up his name a few times. You heard me saying it wrong in the knee-jerk reaction. Um, you know, I'll probably miss, you know forget his name and get it wrong when I'm talking to Scott. We'll see. But... Um, you know, with, with Shaheen, you know, you love the guy's measurables, but, you know, Division two player who left school early. He left as a junior. Who the hell does that? Who leaves Division two early to go to the draft, let alone gets drafted? So, you know, there he goes, number 45 overall to the Bears. And then I've, I've said all I'm going to say about Trubisky, at least for now, uh, uh, anyway. So, I mean, I'm just, I'm disappointed. 
I am disappointed. I really thought that, that we could make up for the lame offseason that we had with a solid draft because that is where Pace has, has made his mark so far with this team, not necessarily with the guys that he's brought in in free agency, but the impact that we've seen is from the guys that he's picked on draft day. And, you know, like I said, last year, I didn't want Leonard Floyd after the first year. I would say that, you know, Pace made a good move. Hopefully the kid can stay healthier this year, missed about what, four or five games, but still was productive when he was there. You put some weight on him, you know, get him coached up. He's going to be a solid player. You know, he might actually become the DeMarcus Ware clone that, uh, you know, he's wearing number 94 to tribute Marcus Ware. So hopefully he can become that guy uh, for us. But, um, you know, Cody Whitehair obviously was a stud. Jonathan Buller was disappointment, but we had Kwiatkowski in the fourth round, Jordan Howard, and so on in, in that draft. And it's just like, I hope that a year from now or even five months from now when the season uh, is underway and eight months from now when the season is over, uh, in January that, uh, you know, I was like, you know what? That draft class was actually pretty good. Shaheen was good. And, uh, you know, all these other guys that we got, uh, you know, made some kind of impact. So fingers crossed. So, I mean, like I said, we got to support these guys now because they're ours. They're bears, whether we like it or not. So, you know, they're going to be wearing the blue and orange on Sundays, uh, for better, for worse. So, um, you know, it, it just sucks that, um, that, you know, I was really looking forward to this draft and, and hoping that Brian Pace could work his magic third time's a charm kind of thing. And um, he went out and, and did the opposite of what we wanted him to do in just about every fashion. So, you know, there are people out there giving him praise for having the balls to make this move, uh, going out and getting the face of the franchise. People have been telling you to go out and do it and you finally did it. Good for you. No, no, not good for you. I'll be saying that to you. I would much rather be wrong about it three years from now than being right about it now. You know, I, I just, I don't want to be right about this, but I feel like I, like I am, you know, and, and, and honestly, kind of like in, in the vein of Jake Cutler, where everything that went wrong wasn't exactly his fault. It probably won't be Mitch Trubisky's fault if it doesn't work out. It will be because like I said, we weren't ready for him. We hadn't put together the team necessary in order to support a young quarterback for someone to grow uh, in the franchise and, and whatnot. And that's why things didn't work out. Because if he takes the field now, who's he going to throw the ball to? We don't have a Brandon Marshall or a Martellus Bennett or an Alshon Jeffrey or even a Matt Forte coming out of the backfield. A few times that we threw Jordan Howard the football, he dropped it. So did Jeremy Langford. So it's not like we have a slew of weapons for him to throw the ball to. Got a decent offensive line in front of him, so he'll have time to find no one to throw the ball to. But, uh, you know, if he gets forced into duty, if Glennon goes down, you know, is he number three and we got to see Sanchez before he comes out? Or, you know, what do you think there? What happens to Connor Shaw? I mean, I was really looking forward to that guy, you know, getting a shot this year and, and seeing if he could be a decent backup or, or whatnot. I mean, it's, it might as well just send him home now. You know, what's he going to beat out Sanchez for the third quarterback spot? No, they're not going to do that. So, you know, it's just <laughs> why the hell did we sign Glennon? Why do we sign him if we were going to do this? Just sign Sanchez and, and re-sign Connor Shaw and then make this move. Then it makes more sense. But signing Glennon to be the guy who is basically on a one-year prove-it deal, you know, because 
of the 19 million or 18 million, whatever guarantee that we gave him 16 and a half of it is this year. His, his salary for 2017 is guaranteed. So basically he, he and I think he, he knew he was on a one year prove a deal. Like you want to stay in Chicago, you got to perform in 2017. Now it's, you know, well, we're, you're going to be the placeholder. And then it's like, we're going to draft a quarterback right out from underneath you. And uh, then he's going to watch you play and suck in 2017 because I didn't go out and get anybody to, to help you, you know, as far as throwing the football to. And then in 2018, he's going to take over and then we're really going to start trying. So, you know, Glennon was invited to the draft party and I think he actually even showed up. And then our first pick is a quarterback. You know, he hasn't played a down for us yet and he's already been replaced. I mean, how, how would you feel if you were him? You know, it's like, you know, you heard that line that I said in the, in the first knee jerk reaction. I hope wherever Glennon is living in the Chicago land area that he's renting. Uh, I mean that he, you know, <laughs> if, even if, um, you know, I, I wouldn't want to be Mike Glennon in 2018 because it's kind of seems like regardless of what happens, uh, Glennon is gone. He can come in and have a pro bowl season. Uh, we really going to make Trubisky sit behind him again. Uh, you know, it's just, it's lose, lose for Trubisky, no matter, or for uh, Glennon, no matter what. So I feel sorry for the guy. I do, you know, got booed for no reason at the Cubs game a little while back. Now all of a sudden he lost the job that he hasn't even really gotten yet. Got that awesome vote of confidence while, uh, you know, while Pace was, uh, was praising his uh, brand new quarterback in, in Trubisky. Well, you know, Mitch, there's no quarterback competition. Uh, Glennon is our starting quarterback. And our right now our future is focused on developing Mitch Trubisky and, and backing, you know, learning the system while Mike Glennon wins football games for the Chicago Bears. Really, to what end? You know, how to, it's just, I don't, I, you know, I'd be pissed if I was Glennon too. I really would. So uh, anyway, I've uh, gone on long enough. So let's get back to, uh, Let's bring in Scott Wright and, and, and quickly kind of go over uh, the draft. We'll talk a little bit about it in general and then dive right into the Bears and, and see if he can make us feel any better about what the hell they did this weekend in Philadelphia. And back once again to help us out and, and analyze this this draft, or as we Bear fans are calling it, the nightmare that happened on April 27th. Um, Scott Wright from DraftCountdown.com. Uh, uh, before we get to that, Scott, uh, let's quickly go over the draft in general. I mean, lots of exciting trades happening uh, on draft night, but it's like almost everyone having to do with the quarterback, of course, We'll talk about the very first trade that took place in a few minutes, but uh, Kansas City trading up to get Patrick Mahomes, Houston trading up to get Deshaun Watson. What did you think of those moves? Yeah, well, especially in regards to the Texans, Deshaun Watson was the quarterback they had to have. They're built to win now. They needed a, a pro-ready quarterback, and Watson was as close as it got in this class. And, and not just for his ready to step in and play week one, but for his ability to handle big situations like he'll see in the playoffs. In fact, a wild card game in the playoffs in the NFL will probably pale in comparison to what he's seen the last couple of years against Alabama in the Nat for a national championship. So, I think that would make made a lot of sense. And 
you know, I, I was I, Kansas City's trading up for Patrick Mahomes to me was one of the biggest surprises of the draft. Not because I disagreed with it. I've been as big of an Alex Smith skeptic as there's ever been. I think he is the definition of quarterback purgatory, where he's just good enough. He'll get you eight and nine wins, sneak you into the playoffs, but you're not winning a Super Bowl with him. So right. I applaud the Chiefs for finally going out and, and maybe finding a higher upside solution. I'm just shocked that they did it, especially trading up next year's first round pick to move all the way up to number 10 for him. Uh, it just seemed like Andy Reid uh, was attached to the hip at Alex Smith and with Alex Smith. But, um, but you know, it, I, I think the fact that they brought in Mahomes and he's going to be a project, he's probably not going to hit the field of as a rookie, but I think that's a sign that sooner rather than later, the end is near for Alex Smith, and and I think that's what has to happen for the Chiefs to make that next step. So um, both moves somewhat surprising, but you know, all these quarterbacks a little bit of a reach, and, and you know we're going to talk a little bit about more about the Bears, but I mean they're in different situations than the Bears when they make those investments. I mean, yeah, they're, those picks are going to be in the second half of the first round, and especially in the case of the Texans. You could argue that if they get even marginal quarterback play, they're a legitimate Super Bowl contender with what the rest of the pieces they have in place. So, um, you know, I, I think they were were smart to get those moves, especially in the case of the Texans, where there was one guy that they kind of had to have. But uh, a little more dubious the other first round quarterback, which I'm sure we're going to talk about. Right. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely we'll dedicate a chunk of time uh, to that. But uh, other moves in the first round, obviously, Miles Garrett goes number one. Not really a surprise there. I mean, even with all of the hoopla or, you know, uh, fair play or, you know, whatever you want to call it by the, the Browns possibly taking Trubisky at number one. The rumors were rampant all day long and then that didn't happen. They went ahead and got the guy that that everyone thought they should pick uh, anyway. But they had two other first round choices. Um Jabril Peppers at what like 22 and then at 29 they come up again uh using all of that that draft capital that they had to take uh David Njoku from uh uh Miami you know three first round picks and and all three guys can definitely help them now well and I think what the Browns did can be somewhat correlated to what the Bears did but we'll, we'll get to that but I really like what the Browns did in that they got three legitimate first-round talents with those three first-round picks. And you should do well when you have three first-round picks. But I think in Garrett, Peppers, and Joku, they've got three high-level athletes and potential blue-chip caliber pieces. And and those were in short supply in Cleveland. They didn't have too many of those, especially since it's been their M.O. in recent years to trade down and go for quantity over quality. So I think they brought in a whole lot of quality this year. But my favorite thing about the Browns draft is – they brought in a quarterback with legitimate high upside in Deshaun Kaiser from Notre Dame, but they did it with a moderate investment. So they are not now locked and attached to the hip. And if it doesn't work out, they don't like what they're seeing or they have the opportunity to bring in somebody they like better a year from now, they can move on little or no problem. So that's what I like what the Browns did. And Kaiser was my top ranked quarterback, but I didn't have a first round grade on him. I didn't have a first round grade on any of these quarterbacks, but if I had to pick one, he would have been my choice. I think he had the best mix of physical tools and tangibles and upside, especially considering where you're going to be able to get him late first, early to mid second round. Uh, that's the guy I would have been targeting. But I just think in this quarterback class, when there is so much uncertainty, I think the Browns did themselves well to keep their options open for next year when you're going to have not only veterans available on the young veterans available on the quarterback free agent market, but 
potentially as many as three legitimate top 10 overall type of talents at the quarterback position in the draft. Yeah. Thanks for reminding me about that. Um, we'll get know. into that. I'm sure. Well, I mean, it's just that, you know, Kaiser fell all the way to 52. So of course I woke up with sweaty dreams about, we could have had Jamal Adams at three and still gotten a, I mean, the bears even traded back to 45. We still could have gotten Kaiser there. You know, we got Adams at three and we got our quarterback at 45 and Deshaun Kaiser and, you know, we didn't have to lose any draft capital to do it. So I just, those are the, that's, those are the nightmares that I had. Of course, the nightmare was waking up and it wasn't real. So, um, but anyway, and it didn't have to be Kaiser. I mean, odds are one of those quarterbacks was going to fall to the second round, right. uh, you know, and, and granted Watson and, and, uh, and, Mahomes. and Mahomes got pushed up and went off the board a little earlier, but Kaiser was still there. And, and I would even make an argument for Davis Webb. He was legitimately in that yeah. late first, early second round conversation. And, there again, I'm not so sure if I'm a team like the Chicago Bears. I wouldn't have rather gone with Davis Webb, who has the potential to be a starting quarterback. But if it doesn't work out, move on. And I think back to the Carolina Panthers. They traded up in the second round one year to draft Jimmy Clausen. Then the very next year, they had the number one overall pick, and they were able to take Cam Newton, number one overall. If they had taken Jimmy Clausen or another quarterback in the first round the year before, I don't know that they could have taken Cam Newton at number one. Exactly. So... Uh, anyway, um, any other picks that you really liked in, in the first round? Um, you know, I remember asking you who you thought would make that goofy move, and obviously it was my team that went ahead and <laughs> did that. You thought John Ross at five for Tennessee. Instead, they go with Corey Davis, uh, you know, the bigger, more conventional wide receiver, but from the smaller school, and John Ross instead goes to the Bengals where he'll be playing side-to-side side with A.J. Green. Yeah, and, and I guess that. That was one of the surprises that early run on wideouts and 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 one of the, I guess the team and I'm pretty forgiving when it comes to grades, uh, but the Tennessee Titans left me wanting just a little bit more and and they've got two good players and Corey Davis from Western Michigan and Adora Jackson from USC addressing the positions we knew they wanted and needed to address wideout and cornerback so check check it's just I've always thought those two particular prospects were a little bit overrated and not the guys. I would have taken if I were the Titans. So here they have this tremendous opportunity with all these picks and uh, just didn't quite come through with the type of performance I, I think was they were capable of. Uh, and the same goes for the New Orleans Saints. They had a couple of picks left me scratching my head a little bit, and I don't know that they necessarily maximized what they could have either. So uh, those are a couple that left me scratching my head, but uh, especially Corey Davis going number five overall. I, I just never quite saw it with him. Very good player. I think he's a first-round pick. I kind of compared him value-wise to a Josh Doxson from last year who went, I think, somewhere in the early 20s, I believe, 2021, somewhere in that range. And uh, to me, Mike Williams from Clemson was the clear-cut top wide receiver in this draft. And I really like what the Chargers did, not only getting Williams, but then their next two picks. They got the top two guards in the draft and Forrest Lamp from Western Kentucky and Dan Feeney from Indiana, um, you know, not, not the sexiest draft class with those two offensive line picks, but boy, they're really going to help out Phillip Rivers, and that's going to make a huge difference. So, uh, uh, you know, we, there's something interesting about every single pick in the first round that we could talk about, but those are a couple uh, of the storylines that could that kind of stood out to me. And um, and then I guess Gary Conley, the cornerback from Ohio State, still going in the first round. I mean, he was the big wild card. Uh, it wouldn't have shocked me if he won the first round going in. It wouldn't have shocked me if he went undrafted. Uh, right. But but obviously the Raiders and a number of other teams were confident that uh, the situation would be cleared up and they still took him in the first round. So uh, just a uh, uh, first round loaded with storylines. 
Yeah, that was definitely a surprise. Everyone thinking that he could be this year's Leal Collins, where you know this is a guy that was going to go mid to late first round and ended up going undrafted and and being an absolute steal for the Cowboys as an undrafted uh, free agent. The Raiders being the Al Davis Raiders and and you know ignoring it all and taking the guy anyway uh, in the first round was a pretty ballsy move. So uh, that's the first round. What about the the later rounds? Any picks that you really like? Surprised that some people were still there when they eventually got themselves picked. Well, uh, Ozzy Newsome of the Ravens is one of the best in the business, and I think he knocked yeah. this one out of the park again, and particularly the two third-round picks I like. Uh, uh, both guys that he got in the third round were in my top 32 overall. Chris Wormley, the defensive lineman from Michigan, uh, reminds me of how they got Arthur Jones in a similar range last year, and you yeah. watch four, four or five years from now, somebody's going to be giving Chris Wormley a $50 million contract, and you're going to say, how did he fall to the third round? And he's not going to be a double-digit sack guy, but he's just a Good, versatile, defense, athletic, versatile defensive lineman, outstanding size. Uh, and then Tim Williams, the outside linebacker from Alabama, who I think was the best pass rusher in this draft, not named Miles Garrett, who went with the number one overall pick. Now, right. he fell to the third round because of character concerns, but uh, Ozzie Newsom is a former Crimson Tide alum himself. He's connected to that program, so he obviously felt good about making that investment. And, and if that hits, I mean, we're talking about a guy who has Von Miller – Vic Beasley type potential as an edge pass rusher. He's that special uh, when it comes to his speed and burst off the edge. So uh, when, when it comes to picks beyond the first round, those were definitely two of my favorite, and they just so happen to be both come by the same team. All right, so let's just go ahead and push this all aside now, Scott, and uh, dive into why you're actually here. Um, you're here <laughs> to try to help me wrap my head around what the Bears did on Thursday night when they shocked everyone, and as as in, in, according to the articles that I've read by Peter King, including the 49ers, um, by taking Trubisky overall at number two, the first quarterback off the board. Uh, I mean, you got to commend the Bears for their secrecy because no one had any idea that he was even on their radar. I mean, even the 49ers thought the Bears were coming up to get Solomon Thomas, not Mitch Trubisky, and then... You know, everyone's the, the door is just blown off when the Bears make that move. I text you to see if you saw this coming at all. And of course, you said no, because you're only a draft expert and even the Bears fooled you. <laughs> so, you know, it's just like, help, help me out with this. I mean, you broke my heart already by telling me that Trubisky isn't even your number one quarterback in this draft. Was he at least number two? Oh, no, he was, he was my third-ranked quarterback. But, but you know, it, it, you talk about surprise, and the last time I can remember being surprised by a quarterback so early it was Blake Bortles uh, going number three overall in 2014. And it was a similar type situation. He wasn't my top-ranked quarterback. I had him, I think, number 29 overall in my rankings. Um, so needless to say, I didn't necessarily agree with him going number three overall. And, and as a rule, I try not to be overly critical for teams with teams for what they do at the quarterback position because mm -hmm. I'd rather see a team reach for a quarterback too early than go out and sign Ryan Fitzpatrick or Brian Hoyer and just kind of spin their wheels for a year. So, so I give a lot of leeway when it comes to the quarterbacks, but but situations like Bortles and Trubisky really test me because um, I, I had. Trubisky is my number three quarterback in this draft and my number 47 player overall. So oh, I, I wasn't a fan at uh, number 47. But, you, but you know, I, I mean, I can play devil's advocate on it. Would you, should we do it that way? Should I should I make the, the pro case for Mitchell please. Trubisky there? Yes, let's all right. do that. First of all, it's impossible to overpay for a good starting quarterback. Yes, you're so, famous for saying that. I've heard you absolutely. say that many times. So if he turns up into anything resembling a, a quality starting quarterback – 
what they gave up to trade up a pick is is irrelevant, and, I and, agree and it's going to look like a steal. I agree with that, but and so it's, and and they obviously believe he's that type of franchise quarterback to make that type of bold move. Because let's face it, a lot of people in that organization's jobs are now firmly on the line and yep. and uh, tied to Mitchell Trubisky. So um, there's at least some people in the organization that felt supremely confident that he was that top of the draft franchise quarterback and and he has that type of potential he's not untalented he's 6'2 200 plus pounds he's got the frame he's a well above average athlete he's got a strong arm he can make the throws and uh of course the the limit experience is is the big concern only 13 games but he was very impressive in those 13 games so uh i i guess the, the 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 brightest picture i can paint is if he turns into what that organization thinks he's capable of, they have the most valuable commodity in sports, which is a top young signal caller on a rookie contract. It just does not get any more valuable than that. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I definitely agree with the assessment that if it works out, it, it won't. You know, we, we there's you know, I I like the idea of, of, of saying you can never pay too much for a franchise quarterback. But that's a big if it works out. You know, for a team that is, you know, for for a, for a general manager like Ryan Pace, who has said from his introductory press conference, he wants to build the team to the draft to give away three picks like that in a deep draft for secondary as a position, you know, or an, a, a unit that needs a lot of help. We only came away with one safety, a guy that has injury concerns that lasted until the fourth round. And, you know, we went offense with the rest of it where I, you know, I just didn't understand what the Bears did uh, or what they th- what they think they were doing. Anyway, I think that he kind of stuck to his guns a little too much with the whole best player available thing this time around. Well, and and even though I, I like you, I always say that it's impossible to overpay for a good starting quarterback. It's really easy to overpay for a bad quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> we see that we see that many times every season. You know, yeah. that's the other side of the equation. And, uh, and you know, obviously, I was playing devil's devil's advocate there, but this is not a decision I would have made in in any shape or form. And the thing that disturbs me about the most is something we talked about with the Browns, in that they back themselves into a corner now. The Browns are tied to the hip to Mitchell Trubisky come better or worse for not only the next year or two, but probably the next three, four, five years. Look at Blake Bortles in Jacksonville. They're still debating, uh, what are we doing? They picked up his option. They're going for one more year, but they might be in the back in the quarterback uh, a year from now. So they'll have just been spinning their wheels for five years in a lot of ways, at least at that position. So uh, that's the part of this I don't like. They, I just didn't see any quarterback in this class, let alone Mitchell Trubisky, as the type of I don't want to say sure thing, but a sure enough bet that I would want to really go all in on and and uh, commit myself to, and and that's exactly what the what the the Bears did, um, and and maybe it'll work out because like I said, he has some tools, but uh, but boy, it's, it's not a move I would have made, and and I think it you know it's kind of getting universally panned, and and I feel bad for the kid too. I saw he went yeah. to what was it the Bulls game the other night and he got booed. It's yeah. not his fault, uh, no. you know. It's you know, give him a chance, and I hope he can maximize it, that that potential that he does have. But it just seems like there isn't a plan in Chicago. Right. I, I think I think there was a quote uh, uh, from the 49ers uh, draft room. It was Lynch or somebody else in the organi- 49ers organization asking, "Well, why did they give Glennon 18 million?" And yeah. and that's exactly it. And Mike Glennon was probably asking that himself as he was invited to the draft party and they selected his replacement. Um, just just doesn't make sense, and they just seem like a organization without a direction. To a certain degree, but but if Trubisky's the real deal, not nothing else is going to matter. 
Yes. Yeah, I definitely agree. And then for it isn't polish up those resumes. Yes, yeah, definitely. Pace. I mean, and, and that's the thing that kind of um, bothers me the most is that with this move, if the Bears suffer through another 2016, where we go three and 13, we're losing five, six games in a row. Uh, we can't win a game. We went winless on the road last year. We're getting embarrassed on national television. Ryan Pace isn't going to be around long enough to see whether or not this works out. So, you know, the, you know, trying to be this architect, trying to copy the, the Packers by, by drafting and, you know, building the team through the draft, he's not going to be around to, to watch his team, you know, take the field. He's, he's going to be unemployed, especially if the Bears go 3-13 and 13 again, which, unfortunately, with the team that we have and the schedule we've been given is entirely possible uh, again this year. So, Well, and, you know, just one more point on the quarterbacks, too. Yeah. I kind of like the approach the 49ers have taken because they're basically doing what the Browns did a year ago where they took a late round career backup type in the third round for the Browns. It was Cody Kessler for the 49ers this year. It was CJ Beathard out of Iowa. And what they're basically doing is kicking the can down the line. They understand that they're not going to be particularly competitive this year. So they're going to build the team around, build up the team. And then a year from now, they're going to have a better team in place and they're going to have better options at the quarterback position, whether it's Jimmy Garoppolo or Kirk Cousins in free agency, whether it's one of those quarterbacks in the draft I mentioned, Sam Darnold from USC or Josh Rosen from UCLA or Josh Allen from Wyoming. There's going to be all these options. So, um, you know, the 49ers aren't going to come out and say, hey, we're punting the 2017 season. But in a lot of ways, that's what they're doing. And and I think that's the approach you kind of want to take with this draft. And, um, and of course, they can do that in San Francisco because John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan have, I think, six-year contracts and they have plenty of job security to take the long-term approach. And and I think they're very much doing that in Cleveland, too. They did that last year. I like that this year they actually brought in somebody with, with legitimate starting quarterback upside in Kaiser, but they're still not so invested that they can't move on. And, oh, by the way, the Browns next year have two first-round picks, three second-round picks, I believe. So they've got the – assets to go get any quarterback they want next offseason and and there's going to be there's going to be plenty of them but uh so so that's that that was always my biggest issue with with do, the bears doing what they did with Trubisky uh is just locking themselves in but um i i think teams like the 49ers and the browns took the right approach where um they're still in the game they're still in that quarterback derby going forward uh, i think i can't vision really any scenario where the bears are even if they clean house you're not moving all on from a number two overall pick after 12 months. Right. So to go through the rest of the draft class, the thing that I was most disappointed in was not necessarily the guys that they, that we got, but that he went with lower level talent, you know, Adam Sheehan from Ashland Tariq Cohen from, from North Carolina, A and T, and then Jordan Morgan, the, the guard from, uh, from Cutstown university. For me, the, the only guy that filled a need, um, was Eddie Jackson from Alabama, and we got we filled his position about 109 picks after I actually wanted the Bears to do it. So, you know, overall, I'm very disappointed in this draft class. So, uh, <laughs> is there anything that you know, like I've heard good things about Sheehan? Eddie Jackson is a is a stud when he's healthy. You know, Tariq Cohen is apparently the second coming of uh, Darren Sproles, and Jordan Morgan is a fifth round offensive tackle from a small school. So. You know, what else can you tell me about these about these guys that we got? And, and I like the players the Bears drafted. I think they did a good job of bringing in talent with those those other picks. But the, addressing the need, I think, is where they fall short. And right. it's just hard to see where some of these guys are going to be able to make 
an, an instant impact in the long run. I think they're they're going to they're going to pay off, uh, particularly the the Shaheen pick. But uh, I don't know that the people that are currently in the organization are going to be around to benefit from it. And I really like Shaheen. He was my, he was one of my top two small school prospects in this draft, and uh, he actually came onto my radar back in December. Somebody mentioned to me that he was going to come out, and I checked out some film and and was really impressed. I actually interviewed him on my podcast back in late December. And, oh, nice. You know, when I first started researching him, I, I went to YouTube and just kind of Google uh, searched for his name, and I found basketball clips. And there's this 195-pound basketball player. I was like, well, that can't be him. Sure enough, it wound up it was him. He had just reshaped his body that much since high school to the point now he's a 280-pound, six-foot-six uh, Rob Gronkowski clone. In a lot yeah. of ways, he brings uh, – and, that and that's a, it's unfair to compare anybody to Gronk, but he brings some of those skill sets, not only in terms of that frame, but the way he drags defenders down the field. He is a tough hombre to bring down. Um, a, a better athlete and faster than you would think for that size. So uh, I think back to a few years ago, uh, more than a few years ago now, I guess, when the Vikings drafted Kyle Rudolph in the second round. And mm -hmm. at the time, I think it was Vasante Shanko was a starter. And right. oh, uh, we didn't expect to see them take a tight end in the early rounds. And in the long run, it's turned into a good move for them. But uh, it, it probably isn't going to pay dividends for two, three years down the line. But, but Shaheen's a really good player. And I think he was legitimately worth a top 50 overall pick. Eddie Jackson, I really like that pick, too. He was that safety that I would have been looking at in round three, round four. In fact, when my Vikings fans' friends would text me during the draft in that range, I'd say Eddie Jackson's the guy I'd target. And, you know, he's a converted cornerback, so he's more of a finesse player back there in the secondary. But he is a rangy center fielder, ball hawk. And I'm willing to forgive a lot for a guy who can go take the ball away just because I think turnovers are such an integral part of the game. And and Eddie Jackson has that type of capability. I think of him as like a, a Malcolm Jenkins type of player. So mm. I like that pick. The only concern is the injury. But if not yeah. for that, I think he would have gone around, if not too higher. And, and as you said, there is an opportunity for him to step in and, and kind of complete for, compete for playing time uh, right away. Now, Tariq Cohen... Running back from North Carolina AMT, he's a good player, super productive, doesn't have the size you look for. He's going to be more of a, a jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none, uh, mm -hmm. whatever cliche you want to say. Um, he's going to be in a situational role. and A little early for my taste. I definitely had him as a draftable prospect, but I wouldn't have taken him that early, and I just wouldn't have taken any type player like that that early. I would have waited and taken care, advantage of the value, for example. They could have gotten Elijah McGuire from Louisiana Lafayette in the sixth round, and he offers, I think, a similar type of skill set, or TJ Logan from North Carolina around later. So I just don't want to take, you know, situational types that early, but uh, but he's a talented player, and he'll add some explosiveness to that offense and return team. And then Jordan Morgan, their final pick, the offensive guard out of Kutztown. Uh, for anybody who goes back to the draft in the mid-90s like I do, he's the first Kutztown prospect uh, since selected Mobley. since John Mobley. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so it's, it's always a good time when you get Kutztown back in the draft. And, <laughs> and uh, Morgan was a highly acclaimed player at his level. I mean, this guy was All-American every year practically and okay. very highly acclaimed. He played tackle in college but doesn't have that ideal length and athleticism you look for. He's going to kick inside to guard. And a good player. And, and I wouldn't have been shocked if he came off the, the board a round earlier. I had a mid-round grade on him. But it's just – where is he going to get playing time barring an injury? Uh, the interior seems pretty set with Kyle Long, Cody Whitehair, and Josh Sitton. So barring mm. an injury, um, you know, I, I just don't see where they're going to get a whole lot of impact, immediate impact out of this draft class with the possible exception of Jackson. So uh, I think that's a valid criticism, even though I do think they got good players. 
Right. And like I said, I, after listening to, to the, you know, to the experts on TV, to, you know, talking to you, you know, you all have positive things to say about the guys that the Bears got. But, you know, at the end of the year press conference, all Pace could talk about was getting impact players for the team. Impact, impact, impact. And all of these guys have wait till next year written all over them. So, you know, aside from Eddie Jackson, who can step in right away just because safety is such a need for this team. The other four guys, um, you know, it's it's all wait and see. You know, if we're playing bad enough, maybe they'll play this year, uh, you know, that kind of thing. But, you know, for the most part, best case scenario, most of these guys won't see the field until 2018. And if nothing else, though, Shaheen should be a weapon in the red zone. I mean, when yeah. you get inside the yeah. 20, you should be throwing jump balls up to that guy because <laughs> he, he's going to go get it. And, and he probably gives them that uh, dimension like that more so than maybe any other player on the team at either wide receiver or tight end. So there might be more of an immediate role, even if it's just a situational role for Shaheen, uh, you know, th- then it's obvious on the surface uh, because um, I do think he brings it a different dimension in that regard. All right. And then real quick before we let you go, uh, undrafted free agents, anybody that we uh, we snagged after the draft that you really like? Yeah, pretty small class again, I think, for the Bears of priority free agents. But the guy who really kind of jumped out at me was Rashad Coward, uh, the defensive lineman from Old Dominion, uh, a big guy, he's 6'5 and a half, 322 pounds. He's a pretty good athlete. Not much of a pass rusher, but he gives you some versatility in terms of uh, end or tackle, depending on the scheme. And I just think back to when Vic Fangio was in San Francisco. He had a lot of success with guy with defensive linemen that he found later on, like Tony Gerard Eddy, uh, players like that. So, um, you know, keep an eye on him as a possibility to compete for a roster spot as a priority free agent. All right, and then Andy Phillips, the kicker from Utah. Anything on him? Yeah, I, I can't say I'm a kicker guru. Okay. Uh, <laughs> when it comes to the special teams, I definitely rely on uh, on sources and people who do it for a living. But he sure. was my number seven ranked kicker. Wasn't expected to be drafted, but right. um, but you know that's certain uh, certainly an area where there could be an opportunity. And and you know even if teams have established kickers, they like to bring young guys in. So uh, so he'll get a shot. He was definitely a guy on the radar. It's not like he was completely off the radar. He was one of my top ten kickers, but. Uh, um, you know, you can check out his stats and stuff on the site too, and check out his accuracy. His, he had a career long of uh, 53, so he's got enough leg to uh, to hit those long ones if he needs to, and and relatively consistent. Um, but relatively. but um, okay. yeah, yeah, not, not a draftable kicker though. Very much, right. he was going to be a camp guy. Okay, well, I mean, it can't be much worse than Connor Barth was last year, so I guess, you know, having competition might help him step up his game. We'll have to wait and see. So, Scott, thanks so much uh, for coming back. I know you got to go. We appreciate you uh, coming in and trying to make us feel a little bit better about the the risk that the Bears have taken by tying themselves to Mitch Trubisky like that. And uh, we uh, look forward to having you back on, uh, you know, either sometime this season or definitely back for the draft next year. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, hopefully Bears fans give Trubisky a chance because, like I said, he is talented, and, and they got a lot ride on him. They, they should want him to succeed. No, no more booing Mitch. Well, <laughs> you know every, what? Everyone should be on Team Mitch. In all fairness to that, they booed Mike Glennon at the Cubs game a couple of weeks too, a couple of weeks ago go. too. So uh, they're being f- fair, I fair. guess. They're booing everyone. So I think those boos are more for the front office than they are for Glennon and Trubisky. But uh, you know, we'll, we'll we'll have to you know see what goes on with those guys and. Uh, uh, and everything. But uh, Scott Wright, draftcountdown.com. Thanks so much for coming back, man. We look forward to having you again. All right. Thanks for having me. All right.
I want to thank Scott Wright for coming back on the show to help us out in, in, in analyzing this draft and uh, didn't do the best job of making us feel better about these picks that, uh, that Ryan Pace made uh, over the weekend, but did uh, give us some clarification on who these kids are. Like you said, he likes the players that we got. Didn't feel like the Bears got the best value in where uh, they were chosen, except for maybe Shaheen likes the Eddie Jackson pick. But like, like, you know, like I said, injury concerns are there. You know, he's finished the last two seasons uh, on the injured list uh, in college with the with the Crimson Tide. So, you know, really the only major college player that we got aside from Trubisky, but he played his football in the ACC, uh, you know, with North Carolina, a basketball school. But, uh, you know, anyway, I'm going to stop hating on Trubisky. He's our quarterback now. So we got to show the guy some love. He He's ours. And uh you know, we're going to live or die with this kid. And so is Ryan Pace and John Fox. And and quite frankly, if we have another year like we had in 2016, at the very least, we're going to be trying this thing again in 2018 with a brand new head coach. So, um, you know, we got some work to do uh, this season. So good news on the horizon. We may be adding the defensive lineman that we didn't add in the draft. Uh, Jay Howard, uh, who I talked about last time, uh, for the free agent from the Kansas City Chiefs visited with the Bears, the Bears uh, also signed, I think his first name is Jay as well, Jay Sowell, an offensive tackle from the Seattle Seahawks, started nine games for them uh, last year, signed a one-year deal to add some depth to that tackle position like we talked about before. So at least we're making some moves uh, to, to fill in some of the holes. But, um, you know, it just felt like the draft class was redundant to our free agent class. We signed a tight end in Deion Sims, and then we draft another one in the second round. We we sign a quarterback to replace Jay Cutler, and then we draft his replacement with a second overall pick and give up valuable draft capital in order to do so. You know, we've drafted a running back each of the last three seasons, so why not draft another one? Um, you know, we'll finally go ahead and get the safety, but we'll get him way later in the draft than we should have. In and, and then, of course, let's go ahead and get an offensive guard uh, to add depth to one of the deepest interior lines in football. So, um, you know, it's just like we're redundant, you know, granted, you know, the, the fifth rounder that Jordan kid, uh, gives us depth on the inside, but we got Eric Cush back there, a healthy Hironis Grasso. I think we got it covered on the, in the middle of the field, but, um, you know, maybe he can stick around and be at, at the very least in the first couple of years, uh, be a good, uh, addition like Jordan Mills was, that was the Jordan I was referring to. Uh, before so you know again one of my favorite sayings we'll have to wait and see so anyway i've kept you all here long enough so i'm going to go ahead and let you go uh we're going to go on another short little hiatus while i start hitting up the phones and you know start cracking down on the emails to try to get our guests lined up because the next time that we talk we're going to start up with our opponent preview episodes. We're going to start in with our same place opponent, San Francisco, Philadelphia, move on to the NFC South, the AFC North, and then, of course, the NFC North with our uh, division opponents and then our beloved Chicago Bears. So the next time we get started is when we're going to start digging into the summer and really getting in and filling up that offseason space to get ready for 2017 for better, for worse. So, uh, Go ahead and enjoy the break. Happy Memorial Day if I don't see you before then. And, uh, you know, until then, my name is Larry D. And this has been the Chicago Bears Review.
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.